Welcome to the Casual Planeswalker Podcast, the show made by casual players for casual players. Welcome to the Casual Planeswalker Podcast, your favorite magic podcast, I'm quite sure of that, and probably, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure we have at least an honorary best podcast on iTunes thing. I mean, they haven't contacted us yet to let us know that, but I'm sure that... Lost. For sure. Yeah, yeah. The invitation is in the mail... Um, I know that, you know, I know their intentions are to rank us as the best uh, podcast on iTunes. So look for that in the next, um, well, we'll see. But Well, I, I know that when they sent us that cease and desist, what they really were trying to give us was that nomination. I know it was just a clerical error. That's right. That's right. Um, because we're the, we're the pirates of the magic podcasting world, the Pirate Bay. <laughs> That's uh, that's how we're branding ourselves. Yeah, we're the the pirates of the magic podcasting world. So, <laughs> uh, what we thought we would do today is uh, a little bit different than the usual format. Uh, we like to generally talk about uh, magic news from the perspective of the casual player. So, you know, not necessarily keeping track of every top deck in in standard or or in tournaments but just you know what's happening in the magic universe and and what we think about that uh i'm sure you know that's going to be that's going to be sprinkled in here and there but basically today we we want to let you know a little bit more about ourselves so and what we talk about for the other three hours when we record a podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's always a good time so that's a good point. We're we're gonna let them into the the magic that happens before and after every podcast. Um, pun definitely intended. Uh, the magic that happens. So yeah, um, I'll start off by doing a little intro of myself. Um, I'm Brad, and I guess I'd like to you know take you back to the beginning of my journey as a magic player. Um, at first, I guess I'll be honest, I thought magic was really stupid. Uh, I think I was in seventh grade and, um, you know, you guys, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, you know, Zach, well, we went to the same high school, middle school, whatever. And I would see him playing this silly game with cards in the lunchroom and I would pretty regularly make fun of him for it. Um, you were the guy everybody hates. <laughs> yeah, I was the hater. You know, I, I hadn't had the opportunity to truly embrace the nerd that I always knew I was. And I say that in the most loving way. Um, I'm proud of being a nerd. So I saw him playing with these cards that looked like Pokemon cards, which I also thought was lame because because I hadn't actually played it yet. Um, that was obviously... Pokemon was, like, the greatest game ever made. Uh, I'm speaking of the video game, Josh. Josh, you can talk about 
your experiences with the card game. But anyways, so I thought it it was ridiculous that some of these cards literally had mountains on them. And I was like, a mountain? Like, what is fierce about a mountain? What are you going to do with a mountain? You know, what are you going to attack? So I, I just give him lots of crap about that. And, well, after being his friend for a little while longer, it basically just naturally had to happen. You know, we had to, I had to at least try it out. So he busted off or busted out the, um, the starter deck, the original like starter set for magic. It was probably, I don't know, fourth or fifth edition. So, you know, there had this play mat that had your, your life total, um, that you could use a counter with and had your, your, library and your your discard pile as it was known back then and then it came with these these starter decks and if you remember the set that has a a star as the the set icon and we started playing and at first you know i was just like ah this is stupid and then you know after the first game i was like hmm i think i can do better (laughs) (laughs) that's where you get it yeah so i was like well i guess we can play one more game and this time I want to see if I can, whatever, whatever the objective was, you know, get one of those flying creatures because that was really cool. And pretty much within the first couple of games, I realized that I really liked the idea of um, bringing things back from the graveyard. That really started early for me. Um, I I think it was Gravedigger because some of the the cards were all mixed in with like Urza's block and Mirage cards that that Zach had at the time and I just thought Gravedigger was awesome because he brought creatures back that had already died they'd already done their job and he got to come back into your hand you could play him again so I thought that was amazing so I basically I got into it and quickly I had more magic cards than everybody in the group and, you know, I started with Invasion. You know, that was my big, uh, that was the expansion that was out when I started playing. So I really got into the whole five-color thing, um, which, you know, I later revisited when I created my Elder Dragon Highlander deck a couple of years ago. I went for a five-color theme because I had all these cool five-color slash, you know, color combo cards from Invasion that I had always wanted to use, but... You know, after I started making better decks, I realized that they were generally too high-costed to really use. But anyways, I, I started basically kicking everybody's butt. <laughs> My new cards were just, like, blowing all the, the old cards out of the water, and it was really fun for me. Every single deck I made was all five colors, because I didn't want to make a choice between any of the colors individually. So that was that was really my I guess my intro to magic. How about uh how about you guys? How did how did you start playing magic? Well, I can kick it off, but I think uh I, I'm pretty sure I went into pretty good detail about the, the general uh my my start into Pokemon quite a while ago. Um and then I kinda went on to play uh as as people who've been following us in the beginning, that uh, I didn't start until college. Actually, I'd only seen the people in uh, 
in high school playing it, and I got to be honest, I uh, not too much different than Brad. Brad actually embraced it a lot longer than I did. I, I made fun of them uh, good ways into college, actually. <laughs> I uh, yes. What was that? I recall that. <laughs> so I, I definitely didn't uh, wasn't nearly as as willing to admit that I belonged. Uh, you know, I, I was fighting it still. Um, but I, I would say for me, uh, the part that I, I really didn't uh, go into was was when I started playing Magic and how it how it felt when I I saw the 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 power of the Blue Mage. Uh, I got to be honest here. Uh, uh, unlike Brad, I was pretty uh, pretty quickly entranced by the the power of being able to tell your opponent no and that anything that they thought they were going to do is no longer relevant uh, to the game that they thought they were going to play. <laughs> um, when, you, when you first saw it, when you first started playing Magic, your first couple of games, was it basically like adapting it to the world of Pokemon? I had to... Honestly, I, I, I went into it knowing how to play Pokemon, which for, for some reason wasn't awkward or embarrassing to me. Um, <laughs> uh, just playing Magic was, because that was weird. Um, but anyway, uh, it, I, I had a hard time understanding the fact that, uh, you could use the lands for anything. And again, um, that was a really hard concept for me coming <laughs> from Pokemon because you attached energy straight to the creature and that was it. Like, you know, like you either killed the creature or you like devolved it or something and you got rid of the energy or whatever, you know, I mean, it was just, that was how I looked at it. And so I was like, so I've used it now, now I can use it again. What? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, it, but it's already used for that guy. He's using it. You, you know, know, in this economy, that really makes you appreciate magic mana. It does. You know, I mean, it's it's reusable. That that Pokemon is so inefficient with its mana. <laughs> or it's really energy. only for a for a bull market. That Pokemon. Yeah. By the for the record, I was had a pretty uh pretty kicking fighting deck back in the day. Um, anybody out there feels like challenging me? I still got the deck list. You know, I bet our fans would take you up on that. So I, I watch <laughs> out there, Josh, because we probably have some pretty vicious uh, Pokemon players. Hey, I got I definitely have a first edition Blastoise, or is it Charizard? Shoot, nope, I think it's Blastoise. Ugh, I haven't checked in so long. It's one or the other. No, I have a foil Blastoise and a first edition Charizard. That's what it was. Um, anyway, um, the first cards I ever bought were actually from Troll and Toad. I remember calling him up on the phone, and uh, I, I was I had found him in my Scry magazine that I'd been like staring at and like ogling over, skipping through that horrible magic section that took up like Scry was amazing, by the way. Well, the magic took up like three quarters of the stupid thing, and they yeah. like wasted so much of it. And Pokemon had to like sit in the other portion of it. It was so like, oh, it was it was horrible. I was so mad at all those magic cards. I was like, oh, come on, go to the good stuff. <laughs> but I remember seeing an advertisement for Troll and Toad, and I called him on the phone. I was like, gosh, what, ten maybe, eleven? Would have been about eleven. I remember I was just like. Yeah, I'm like, can I buy Pokemon cards? <laughs> you probably made somebody's day at Troll and Toad. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, uh, and she's, yeah, the lady was really nice. She's like, oh, hi, you know, well, what, you know, what do you want? Do you want like specific ones or do you want like a box? And I was like, oh, well, you know, how much is a box? I'll never forget. She was like, ninety four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and at this time, I, I was, you know, 
I was mowing my my aunt and uncle's lawn for like five dollars a pop, which by the way was extortion because it was like bear in mind it's like a five acre lawn, <laughs> and I'm mowing it on a riding mower. It took like God, it had to have taken at least three or four hours to do for five dollars. <laughs> when you're eleven, you're not really good at valuing your time. You're like wow, five. That's like one more than four. Uh, anyway, and so, you know, I'm looking at that stuff going, you know, that, that's a lot of mowing the lawn for many years at this rate. <laughs> so I was like, oh, you know, like, uh, what, what else do you, you know, like, what else do you do? She's like, oh, well, you know, you can buy the booster packs, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. And I bought like $30 worth of booster packs. And I remember I was like checking the mail like every day. I was like, come on, every, come on. You know, like every day I was like, come on. And then finally I got the like box in the mail and I remember just like pulling it open and staring at these like shiny packages. Just, they were like, oh, so beautiful. I was like ceremoniously like pulling them open and looking at every card in it. I was just so like entranced by the, like the cards. It's like, oh, this is so cool. I didn't even have friends who played at the time. You know, I was just like, oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, and I started like building these decks. And then I realized that they only gave you one energy in each of those things. And I didn't have any energy. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just flat out didn't have enough to make the decks. I was like, oh no, you know, and I lived out in the middle of nowhere. And so it's not like I could just run to the card store or something and get more of these, you know? And so I ended up, I remember I ended up buying them off of a guy at school. I gave him like... I uh, mean, I was a I was good at bargaining even then. I traded him uh, something stupid. I traded him something dumb for a Mister Mime, and then I what did I do? Then he gave me ten energies for like an oddish or something like that. I was like, okay, and then I gave him a dollar for another ten, <laughs> and I was just like. Basically, I was like stealing all of his cards <laughs> at that rate. I mean, it was just—it was horrible. The Mister Mime deal was like the, the card was already worth like a lot of money, and I gave him a card that was like basically worthless. It's like here, but oh man, that was such a good time. I remember, um, but I remember being so disappointed because everybody collected Pokemon cards, but no one played. Uh, nobody, like. It was so hard. I had like two people I ever even played with, um, but yeah, I had like two people to even play with, and they were just oh, it was so much fun though. Like I remember those few times that I ever even got to play with like such just fond memories. It was just like the best time ever. But for some reason, I saw Magic a couple of years later and thought it was weird, and the people playing it were weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why would you guys play that? That's not cool, like Pokemon. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I definitely got sucked into the Blue Mage once I started playing, and I don't think I've ever really changed. I mean, I mean, I'll play around a different idea or something occasionally, but usually when it comes down to it, and I'm going to build a deck, drop right back to blue. Yeah, you know, you talking about the collectability of Pokemon cards um, reminded me of. I had completely forgotten about this, but I really got my start in the whole card world with baseball cards. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of strange. I mean, it it really has no very close relationship to Magic, you know, 
because you don't actually do anything with baseball cards. But I definitely treasured that, you know, when I started buying Magic cards, I had that same sensation of, you know, digging for the the foil or, or the rare. Um, I liked that, you know, every pack had a rare. Uh, baseball cards were like, there were different types of rarity, and you know each one had uh, a ratio. Like you're gonna get a diamond club card, you know, one in every 300 packs. You're gonna get a, a rookie of the year card in one out of every 10 packs or whatever. And there was something. It, it was so strange. Now I look back back on it you know after having played magic and i see that it is strange the desire to just collect things but i liked the bubble um, gum <laughs> i got yeah. mad when they stopped putting that in yeah i remember stopped. that too i was like forget this no gum no deal oh, but they used to there was this one set that made coins like gold looking coins of baseball players and nice I always thought that was pretty cool. And my favorite set was was this um, set that basically took normal baseball card pictures and then would put them into some sort of artist's rendition. So it was all based on this like metal world, and there, you know, there were really cool artistic designs on oh, these baseball cards. Yeah, it was, was like foil. Like, Metal I, Universe or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that was so cool. They were toward the end of when I was buying them, but I remember those. Yeah, and so I got a box of those one time for my for Christmas, actually. And it was so incredible. Like, opening every single pack was this new, mind-blowing experience with, with art. And, and so basically every single card in that set was kind of like what a, a rare would have been in the previous in, in normal base card, yeah. baseball card packs. But then on top of that, that set had its own rarity. So you'd get like, like most of the cards were geared towards platinum or, or silver type of look. And then all of a sudden, you know, one out of 50 would have a gold. Yeah, I know, now I know exactly what you're talking about. Because in my head I was like, man, I thought there was like a gold one or something. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, just, just some of the pictures, even even if it wasn't like a good player really – because there's always this weird, there's this connection in with with sports cards to the real world. It's kind of like um, sports. Uh, what do they call it? <laughs> Obviously, I've never done it. Fantasy, fantasy, fantasy football sports. or fantasy sports. Yeah. There's yeah. this weird thing where it's like a game, but it also is directly related to the real world. Um, yeah. So baseball cards are like that. So if if, if a player's having a great year. In the real world, then the card, any card of that player will go up in value. You know, I sort of take this for granted, but is it normal for kids to get baseball cards? I don't know. I guess I always just thought it was because that was, you know. I don't know. Did, did either of um, DJ or Leroy, did you guys have sports cards at all? Uh, I never did, but uh, I mean, I know my I, dad did, so I think it's an older generation sort of thing. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I I had a ton. You had a ton. Yeah. <laughs> but we also had so, magic, so maybe we're like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know. I was kind of quick to disassociate magic and sports cards, but maybe, 
Maybe that sort of planted the seed. <laughs> I don't know. I sort of just, like I said, I took it for granted that everyone kind of got those, but I don't, now that I actually think about it, you know, now I, I, I'd be interested to find out if that's a normal thing. I still thing or... see them in the store when I go to buy Magic cards, and there's still sports card stores. One of our, our favorite um, Magic places, actually, is is actually a sports store. Uh, they sell memorabilia and cards, and then in the back, they kind of they kind of push us into the back of the store. You know, like um, I don't know what message they're trying to send there. Maybe we should, you know, write letters in. We won't stand for the back of the store. Yeah, yeah, do some <laughs> uh, some activist action there. But um, yeah. So I th- I think the sports collector thing is still thriving, but I just don't care anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, no, I have no idea. I mean, I can talk to people about things in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, me too. You must talk have had to you up and down about the 90s Cowboys. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah, we've had this conversation because I, I was a big Deion Sanders fan. And... Yeah. He was <laughs> He was literally my least favorite player. This, this is, by the way, everybody, this will be probably the only time ever you will ever hear us talk about sports. Yeah. Um, this is so bizarre, but but what we're really doing, you know, we're just trying to, you know, let you guys know a little bit more about us and and just kind of talk about things that are on our mind. Um, we figure, you know, we share magic with everybody, with all of our fans, so we probably share some other interests and things like that. So, you know, we're just we're just kind of playing with that idea and um. So anyways, there's there's some sports in your magic podcast. I bet you weren't expecting that. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, um you started you started playing magic in college then, Josh? Yeah. Um I picked it up as a sort of uh um relief from the outside world stresses at the time. <laughs> um I mean, for me, that's what it's always been. And what actually. what was her name again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, better not. Wish them the best. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there was a particularly stressful point in my life. Uh, but I honestly, it, it was great because it, for me, like magic, kind of was a fun thing to not have to worry about that and not have to pay attention to that and. I imagine that there's a lot of other people out there who've gotten into magic for much the same reason. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely I, quite, I mean, I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I can attribute probably 80% of my best friends to bonding over magic. It's kind of incredible, but it's true. You know, um, so it just has that kind of power to, to provide this really positive energy in everyone's life. Um, the people that get together and, and have a, a fun play group and you know, get to get to trade experiences and, and share in the joy and, and you know, triumphs and failures and questions and you know, work on decks together and help each other. So, yeah, you definitely... Found that side of the magic world, and I think we all have in our own way. Yes, master. 
<laughs> Sorry. I just uh, felt like someone should call you sensei after that. I mean, was, I know we were talking about Avatar earlier, so eh? I think you've got that in your mind. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Oh, sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all good. It's a teaser. <laughs> Which have? Mm. All right. So, yeah, I th- and I, th- I think we've talked about the, the whole college um, thing, but that's that's a really good good point to um, bring DJ into the story because I know that the Aquinas College Game Club was really like the the thing that brought us together and allowed us to organize, you know, this magic playgroup every week and really int- we introduced a lot of people to the game and gave a lot of People, especially a lot of freshmen, um, Josh and I, you know, were upperclassmen by the time that things really got rolling with the game club. And, and everyone thought I was in the management staff for game club. It was funny. <laughs> yeah, but what's really great, you know, I'm thinking back on that. And, and there's there's all these clubs and, and organizations that are you know vying for your time in in college, but if you if you've gone through the process of actually signing up for and going to the meetings, a lot of them kind of fall apart after about the first two weeks. It, they're like really excited, you know, for the first couple of weeks, and then after that, it's like, well, yeah, we're, they might they might lead up to one event per year. Well, they find out that most people don't actually want to volunteer for five hours a week yeah. and then listen yeah. to meetings. They're like, oh, wait, that's a bad idea. No one actually wants to do that. Yeah. So what happens is the, the leadership of that group ends up spending their time on it, and they put it on their resume or whatever. Um, but then the rest of the people don't really show up to the meetings unless there's pizza, which, you know, whatever. Which actually does get old. Which it does. I, mean, I never thought I'd say that. I, I remember, you know, did you remember that? Like when we got there and like all the upperclassmen were like, ah, can we do like sandwiches or something? Yeah, dude. Yeah. And I was like, are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I so remember, you know, like my last years when I, I was, I was doing um, other clubs at the time and the uh, management, but you know, I was pushing, I was pushing for the sandwich platter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. we could do the five dollar pizzas, and I'm like, ah, oh, can we do the, like the deli? It's like forty bucks. It's a little bit more expensive. It's a sandwich platter, though. I mean, they'll give us salt, like mayonnaise and mustard and stuff, and there's turkey sandwiches and ham sandwiches. Just please, not the five dollar pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so what happened with Game Club? You know, and and it's just I don't know. There was always something. There was always something different about about Game Club. It was I'll take you guys down a, a another quick journey bef- before we uh, you know have your story DJ is the the story of of Game Club. It was it's incredible because it was formed in the fires of rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always my favorite part of the story, which is that the the two founders, um, Chase and Jose, they were running for student government positions, and they they pretty much figured that they had it in the bag. But what happened, at least from their side of the story, they were they were sort of swindled. 
and um, they accused certain people of foul play. But whatever happened, there was some sort of incident where people that they thought were far less qualified got the positions of, of president and vice president and or whatever they're called in the Senate. I don't I don't remember. Um, Speaker. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. So. But anyways, and, and it turned out, you know, that those people actually ended up doing a pretty crappy job. One of them dropped out of uh, the position because he was too busy partying or whatever. You know, I've heard this story a bunch of times, but um, typical politicians. Yeah. So their sort of revenge on the organization of the student Senate was to create their own club and they were both avid gamers and they there had never been a club like game club it it was absurd to most of the senate when they announced it but everybody respected those individuals so much and they knew what they were capable of so they were like why are these guys are they seriously suggesting a club that plays video games and and strategy games like really to be funded officially funded by the students oh, yeah. in it, not just yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they were pretty darn clear about the fact that they were going to spend their money <laughs> on pizza and nothing else. You know, like they were just going to spend it on having a good time, which is not typical. You know, usually when you're if if you've been through the process of creating a group for college uh, senate, you have to sort of say that you're going to use the funds for a. a some form creating, of altruistic. Yeah, altruistic is a good word. Something that's going to create a more well-rounded student and whatever. But they were unapologetic in the fact that they were just going to spend it on games. And that's what they did. So I always thought that was really cool. And, and it actually turned out, it actually grew into quite a legitimate club. And, um, you know, I served as president for two or possibly three years. I don't I don't remember exactly. Um and Nick was president for a year and, and DJ is the current president. So it's it's been pretty strong in our in our history at the Casual Planeswalker and it really was the impetus for us, you know, meeting each other and building the solid relationships that we have and also bringing magic to a lot of people, and, and DJ, you're still you're still doing that, um, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So, why don't you take us through the, you know, what happened when you first were, you know, you first encountered magic and, and how you came up to that? And you have to use the word impetus too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I guess my impetus comes from playing video games all the time because. I guess I was always the typical nerd that played video games all the time. And then uh, up until, like, middle school, that's all I would do. And then Pokemon came around. And like Josh, I thought that the Pokemon cards were pretty neat. So I started collecting those, and I had one person to play them with. Wasn't it horrible? I mean, yeah. it was fun. You were so thankful for that one person. But, like, everybody was like, yeah, I play Pokemon or have Pokemon cards. And you're like, awesome. And you're like, do you, you want to play? And they're like, oh, I just have a collection. <laughs> <laughs> that happened with Magic, too, by the way. I, I think I've told the story of the fact that once I started buying more cards and beating everybody every single game, 
and I'm not exaggerating, uh, they didn't want to play anymore, and I had to bribe my sister to play. So I can I can share your your heartache there, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I tried other stuff after that because I would have a friend that played Pokemon, and then another friend got into Yu-Gi-Oh. So I started that, and in none of these games we didn't really know the whole thing about the rules, but we played as <laughs> yeah, best we could. So. <laughs> yeah, we were kids, so it was fun, and that's all that mattered. But I tried all these different card games, and then I tried Magic for a little bit in high school, because my friend had a neighbor that had cards, so we tried it for a couple days. But... It wasn't until college that I really got into Magic with the game club. So I joined them because they do everything that I like to do. And Magic always seemed pretty interesting. So I thought I'd try that out. You were always the most loyal and like dedicated member of game club ever. I knew that any event that I would set up, that DJ would be there. Like didn't matter what time it was like you would rearrange other stuff just to make game club work and that was that was awesome you're definitely like a gamer to the core and i always really respected and kind of envied that about you um i i sort of you know i i like would take certain games that i would specialize in uh, like magic you know and that that showed in my <laughs> my game club leadership a lot of it turned into Magic Club, but um, mm-hmm. but you you have this awesome like well-rounded gamer cred that I I think is really cool, and and I always thought it was really amazing that you would enthusiastically show up to everything from just purely administrative meetings that we would have every once in a great while to you know our biggest events, and you would be like first one there, you'd always help out, and yeah, so that was awesome, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, games are what I've been playing all my life, so they're a lot of fun, and I like to really get into them, too, especially with Magic, like doing this website, and then just trying to learn everything about it that I can. So I like to do that stuff, and I have tons of different decks, because I just don't want to miss out on any experiences. But my favorite are probably those decks that kind of break the rules, and change the game. And sometimes it doesn't make it so much fun for other people. Like my knowledge pool deck. Mm. Never a lot of fun for them. But those are what I like to play. And I also like to get other people into Magic, especially as president of the game club now. I've kept that going strong, and we got like six or seven new people playing every year. And it's actually going to start next week. So pretty excited to get back into school and have everybody back for Magic again. So I guess if if you're listening and you happen to be in um, the West Michigan area, um, you can get in touch with DJ through the website and probably hook you up with some pretty amazing uh, playgroups and cool people. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I guess uh, last but not least, how did how did the 
the journey to magic happened for you, Leroy? Oh, gosh. Um, I guess I really started playing somewhere between one and two years ago uh, when I was living with you, Zach, and Josh. Party. Um, however, the f- I think probably the first time I played, or almost the first time I played, was uh, when I visited Brad at Aquinas. Yeah, uh, while I was going that's right. To CMU. Yeah. And I journeyed up there, and it wasn't... It was it wasn't too bad when I was going up there, you know, it's Michigan, so we probably had some snow. Right. Uh, <laughs> had a had a good time visiting Brad and played magic I, with I believe you played a uh discard deck that I had uh, built for my current girlfriend um which involved you know, typical like Megrim and Urza's guilt <laughs> to deal like 20 damage to everybody at the table. I think, I think that was probably cracked. Yeah. <laughs> it used to make her feel bad. She didn't like playing that card because it would kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but you won! And she was like, but I feel bad. <laughs> Anyways, yes, oh, wow. I remember that magical event. I... <laughs> uh... Uh, I I don't really remember what I played, but I remember that I had a good time, and I was slightly overwhelmed because there was also what eighteen other people in the room. I, I it was. yes, it it was a pretty <laughs> typical game club. Was that when we event. had all the supermodels there with us? Right. Oh yes. You, re- you remember About the supermodels? Only like five of them though. Uh, yeah. That was awesome. We actually took over the Senate office. Yes. Used several of the, you know, like tables that were reserved for Senate officers. Um, I don't know how we got in there. We just kind of like walked in. Did oh, it's because Jose was the secretary, and he's like, oh yeah, I can get you guys. I can get us in there, and so we all went in there, and it was amazing. And the Senate offices, by the way, were above the like coffee shop on campus, so it was just just really awesome location and. We got to, we took up like several tables with our magic awesomeness. <laughs> so yeah, how did how did that trip end for you there, Leroy? Crickets, Leroy. Have we? <laughs> I think his his headphones died. I see. Didn't well, he have to leave for something? Well, I believe you can finish the story then, Brad. Right. So we should have prefaced the story. Of, no, I guess I guess he sort of did um, and said that, you know, when he got there, there was basically a little bit of snow. It was not a big deal. I mean, that doesn't phase Michigan folk. Um, we can but, at least a couple feet. So he basically was planning on staying for the the night, but also driving driving home at night. And... As he started his journey, it was eh, maybe a little cloudy, but it still basically looked the same as when he arrived. By the time he got home, there were several feet of snow, and he was basically lucky, lucky to be alive, um, going through harsh conditions, no visibility. Uh, if you've ever been in you know, the Midwest or northern part of the, the country, um, you'll know the experience of 
of a what's called a whiteout, where you basically can't see anything because the snow is everywhere. So yeah, that was that was Leroy's first magic experience. Um, so I guess you know Aquinas Game Club was kind of the common thread for all of us, but. Actually, you know what would be really great? Uh, we should talk a little bit about how the casual planeswalkers started because hmm. that shares the... Three guys sharing a bed in Germany? What? <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds a lot more creepy than it really was. <laughs> I forget about nice. that part of our origin story. Well, there, there's the time. Isn't that how the casual plane marker was born? Oh, dear. Um, yeah, I guess it's time to reveal the secret, Josh. Radio edit? <laughs> oh, no. You're unapologetic. It's a casual plane marker. <laughs> so, basically, we had a vision of taking the experience that we had with the Aquinas Game Club and creating this in the last couple of years, you know, under my leadership and then Nick's and then DJ's, we really were able to build this this really impressive magic community. I mean, it was really the backbone of Game Club. We did, we still did, you know, uh, events. <laughs> You'll probably appreciate this. We did Halloween every year uh, where we would obviously, you know, play whichever version of Halo was, was, popular at the time um i i think it was halo 2 except the last yeah. year that we did it i remember our friend scott stood in line out yeah for halo 3 and brought that to halloween which is amazing <laughs> it was perfect timing um but so we did. We would do other events. We did this really amazing um, rock band competition when rock band first came out, and we called it like Rock Ocalypse. And uh, we got we got tons of people to dress up in cool costumes like rock stars. And we we had a competition. We actually kept track of uh, each band. You know, you you'd sign up as a as a band with four people, and we kept track of everyone's score. And you know the, the winners got prizes, and then also the best costumes got prizes. So we did really cool stuff as game club. But on a week-to-week basis, what really kept us going was this magic community. It was really, uh, you know, brought together by by playing magic. We had Magic Wednesdays at least, you know, when I was when I was in uh, power. And so I I just saw this incredible experience where. We were bringing together, um, and this is all part of my pitch to the Senate every year for increasing our budget, by the way, but we would bring together people from – so, Josh, what what did you major in in college? I majored uh, in administration, and uh, I do administration and accounting. Okay, so an administration and accounting student. Uh, DJ, what about you? Well, I'm still majoring in yeah. history and geography. History and geography. Leroy? Uh, sociology with criminal and social justice spec um, and uh, substance abuse education. And I was 
Uh, I got a double major in history and German, eigentlich. So, um, I was too lazy to major in French. <laughs> you had to yeah, take so, one extra class. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Well, so uh, I saw this amazing thing where we were bringing together math majors, uh, programmers, um, you know, history students, psychology students, English majors, all these different people who really represented like different personality types, different priorities, uh, different life directions, different goals, but we could all share the common interest of magic. And I, I really saw it as this incredible, beautiful thing. And so I never, I never got over that, you know, like I never got over the fact that we could bring together so many different types of people in such a, a solid way that built real friendships. I mean, I have been, you know, I was, well, I was in the wedding of Zach, you know, who taught me how to play magic. And I was supposed to be on, uh, in Nick's wedding as well, but they happened to fall on the exact same day. So I wasn't able to, you know, be in two places at the same time, especially since the, the weddings happened. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, basically, these are real friendships. You know, I'll be friends uh, with you guys for life. And that's, it really was through magic. And I don't think people pay enough attention to the fact that that magic can really bring people together in, in such a strong way. It's, it sort of seems like circumstance when you're in a room. Um, you know, we've we've been to Grand Prix events. We've been to different big events where we look around and go, all these people are different. They're all, they all have different kinds of jobs. They all have different interests. They all have different lives. But today, everybody is the same. Like today, we have a common vernacular. We have a common goal. We have, you know, common, like I said, we can share in each other's victories and failures and questions and and it's just this incredible thing that I that I've seen time and time again with magic and I don't know if that happens with every game like that but I've certainly seen it with magic. I feel like I should pick up my sword and my shield and charge into battle. You you indeed should. <laughs> I don't know it's like inspiring. I got to be honest. I was like, "Dang." <laughs> so obviously, you know, you know, Josh and Nick and DJ, Leroy, Zach, we've all we've all shared this. We've all experienced it in our own way and you know, we've come together because of magic and it just seemed natural to want to 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 build that into more. I mean, we can when we realized that we could share this this vision, this experience with a limitless number of people really. I mean, we can we can share this with the whole world because magic is such an incredible it's not just a game. I mean, it's really not. It's it's something that, you know, unifies us even even if we're competing together, you know, there's this mutual respect for someone who who bests you, you know. Um like 
<laughs> I definitely, you know, I've been on both sides of that that exchange where you know somebody like tricks you or or you know just outplays you, and you're like, wow, that was that was just incredible. You know, hats off to you. Um, or you know, conversely, you know, you're you're on the other side of the the exchange and and you happen to pull one over on your opponent and and see that that look of surprise in their eyes and then realize that uh you know, you've you've just like opened their eyes to a to a new possibility that they didn't they they didn't know existed and so basically i don't know i i've seen all these experiences with within the context of magic and and i know that that's been the biggest driving force for me with the casual planeswalker to you know, create a podcast, to create a website, um, to foster this, this community of, of like-minded, you know, players, because it's never been about, you know, the bloodthirsty competition about, uh, cashing in your cards for, for the highest dollar amount. Um, for us, for any of us, and I know, and I know we all that. know that's not worth it. <laughs> right, that's a losing game. And so we all we all share this this sort of ideal that that magic is is fun. It's not something to be angry about. It's not something to um, you know to to shut people out of your life for for any reason it's it's an excuse to to have more people in your life to to make friends to build a a network of of allies so that's really i think the inspiration for the casual planeswalker so maybe josh you you could talk a little bit more about how we actually came together well uh, man should have let me go first. Everyone's going to be disappointed now. <laughs> um, no, just because that was so inspiring. Um, anyway, uh, well, I, I was, I, I'll have to give you my side of uh, how it started because I, I kind of came in at about maybe like two fifths of the way into this beginning of the casual planeswalker. That was the problem. Um, at the time I was living in France and, uh, you came into it exactly when you needed to. Okay, well, there we go. I was living in France, actually, studying uh, in college, but uh, I found out that Brad and Nick were going to be able to come out and visit in Germany for a week, which, uh, bear in mind, is probably one of the coolest things you could ever hear when you're living in France where they don't speak any English, uh, and you haven't been able to speak English in a long time, and your friends from college want to come out and hang out with you. You leave school for a week. You take vacation. <laughs> When they ask you if you're on vacation, you say, I am now. <laughs> and you say, what week am I not going to class? Um, but anyway, yeah, we hooked, um, We ended up meeting up in Germany, a country of which I don't speak a word of the language. Um, I, I do speak a couple words, which I won't repeat now. But uh, I know Ein. <laughs> yeah, let, let's keep those. Uh, <laughs> Eins, zwei, and drei. There you go. Mainly from Cool Runnings. I don't think I remember anything. <laughs> well, you you know how to ask for two beers. Yes. That's, that's all that matters. Um, but anyway, 
Uh, and bear in mind, that's legal there, drinking age is 18, so don't get anyone worried that I was, uh, you know, running around underage drinking or something. Plus beer is delicious. Oh, yeah, Germany was so good. Anyway, um, don't drink underage, children. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so I ended up meeting up in uh, Germany, which just all awesomeness aside from that. Um, we were couch surfing, I believe, is the correct term for it. And uh, if anybody's familiar with couch surfing, you stay with a uh, a person on a website, kind of like Facebook, except uh, you stay in their house uh, with them. And we were uh, – well, well, the first time you brought it up, was that at Yanni's place? Yep. Yeah. Well, we were huddling for warmth in what had to have been about 45 degrees, maybe 50. Um, I don't know. What would you say, Brad? 50? <laughs> Freezing, whatever it was, it didn't. It didn't matter what the actual number was. <laughs> and, to us, it was freezing. Uh, I'll have you know that Brad, um, Brad and Nick are. How do you put it? They're not small guys. Um, they're, they're just built big. All right, and I, I'm built. Uh, I, I think I have a relationship, or a relation somewhere along the lines to a flagpole. If you want to think in terms <laughs> of, uh, I, I believe Brad. And Nick, uh, Nick having the mane of a lion and the physique <laughs> of a bear. It really looks like a Johnny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so picture That's that. Bad. And Brad, uh, you know, six foot three, just you know, built another built guy, and me, and the three of us are sharing a what I'm had to have been no more than a full size bed. <laughs> um. And you really didn't have much option, you know, stay warm. So we, we engaged in conversation, and Brad brought up this idea he had to revolutionize the way everyone sees magic and to give the world what we had experienced. And um, uh, quite honestly, it was it was so inspiring. I, I wasn't planning on coming back from France and uh, basically on the spot said, you know what, I'll move out to Colorado with you and your friend from high school. Let's do this. Um I can't remember the words. It's possibly because my my mind was shutting down from being cold, but the ideas were there, and that was the important part. It was it was the the feeling that we had something to give to every other, uh, you know, that we wanted to make sure that everybody who played magic knew uh, knew about this opportunity to just build these amazing communities and to, to network with each other and to become more than just simply, uh, I, I know we've used this uh, this term, just slinging cardboard down for a day, you know? Uh, it's And to see that magic is so much more than that and that there's, there's so many uh, ways to just have a ton of fun with people that – uh, you know, you may or may not even know, you know, I mean, I, I know I, the, one of the best reasons about going to like one of the uh, release events and stuff like that back when they had them, so apparently we're, you know, like card shops now, so it's kind of killed that. But one of my favorite things about release events was that you could just sit down with someone and start talking and be like, blah, blah, blah. Hey, I brought a deck of cards. And of course they brought a deck of cards. You want to play? Yeah, of course they want to play. You know, and so you just sit down and you start talking to some random person or you're walking down the hallway and you have something to talk about with every single person here. Like, it's not like you're walking down the street and you're like, you know, you see somebody and you're like, hmm, you know, I wonder if we have anything in common. Every person in that building, there's like, there could be a thousand people in there. And every one of them 
you can talk to them about something because they all play magic. You know, you're walking down the hallway and you're like, oh, you know, how's the event going, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, I'm building blah, blah, and this and that. And it's just, you know, and to recognize the potential there. And I guess that's, you know, I, I know Brad has said this, but the reason I, I was went on board with the casual planeswalker and the idea of, of giving giving people who don't either know how to play magic the opportunity to play or giving people who know how to play uh, people to talk to and a place to go and a, a place just to have fun where you're not going to care. Uh, it's just, it's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we pretty much just started with the idea and the vision and uh, we've been building now for two years, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey, but uh, so that's the story of the casual planeswalker. Uh, I believe our, our next conversation had happened on the the beaches of Lake Michigan, which was another <laughs> pretty incredible, uh, you know, view I guess for the for the casual planeswalker origin and. Um, uh, I knew that you know having the the solid group that we had that it would be that we would be able to reach people effectively because and we all share the same opinion of how how magic ought to be played and and I know that there are other players out there who you know don't keep up with uh standings with uh, you know tournaments and they just they just like to get together with their friends and crack open a you know a twelve pack of Mountain Dew and and get get some pizza and just enjoy the game for what it is and, and spend a night playing Magic and the good pizzas like the three dollar ones that you just throw in the oven oh yeah oh yeah got yeah. those I mean really some of the like best nights that I can remember are the late nights playing magic with my friends. Like, Using that janky nothing. oven in the basement of Regina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. At some point at about one thirty in the morning when you've been playing magic for five hours, neither neither person wants to say we should quit because you're having so much fun playing. But at some point you have to be like, we should probably eat something. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I I will always advocate, um, you know, kids or or even adults getting into games like Magic because I know that the powerful positive effect that it can have on someone's life and and that's what we're all about. The casual planeswalker. I mean, we really don't care too much about which uh, decks are winning the, you know, the world tour right now although that is really awesome and um you know we, we dabble here and there with with the rankings and whatnot but but really it's about just the pure fun of magic so yeah i'm really glad we got to tell the story of the casual planeswalker <laughs> because i don't think we've sat down and, and actually told that before so thanks guys that was that was awesome. Thanks for sharing your stories. I'm sure the fans will appreciate that. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to look us up at www.casualplaneswalker.com or search for The Casual Planeswalker on Facebook to keep in touch and stay up to date with all the latest news we're bringing to you. Thanks for waking my cowlick.